Today on the Multiply Podcast, we're back with Josh Welbo and talking about discipling the next generation. Check it out. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Multiply Podcast. We're so uh, glad you're back with us for part two of the podcast where we're talking with Josh Wellborn, the National Youth Director for the Assemblies of God. And if you missed the first one, be sure to check it out. We talked to him about the importance of team building and networking. And in this episode, we want to focus a little bit more on discipleship and in particular wrestle through the question, how do we disciple the next generation? So Josh, thanks so much for uh, being with us again. And uh, we're excited to hear your insight on this topic. So why don't we, uh, we'll throw the ball to you and take it away. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for having me back, you guys. It's uh, it's an honor to be on your uh, on your podcast. Uh, you know, for me as a young youth pastor, I'm I'm not one now, but when I was, uh, discipleship was the passion. Discipleship was the mission. Uh, I know some of your listeners grew up in church. Some did not. Uh, for me, I grew up in church, so there wasn't there wasn't a church experience that was going to that I didn't already that I hadn't already had that was going to help me grow closer to Jesus. Corporate worship is extremely important. Teaching the word of God, extremely important. But what I needed was for someone to say to me personally, uh, just like Paul says, you know, Paul says in the New Testament, follow me as I follow Christ. And so I, you know, so that was just my personal experience. And at the age of 23, someone finally said, this is what discipleship looks like. Here's how you can grow. And they held my feet to the fire on some things. And some of it, some of it was, was I, I received with great joy. And some of it, I went home kind of grumbling to myself, but realizing it was the best thing, but, but knowing I needed to get my act together if I really wanted to pursue God the way my mentor was pursuing God. So, um, so this idea that there are, that, that Jesus does something in us is awesome. What's even better is that he does something in us for the sake of it being reproduced in someone else. And so hopefully every listener has had someone who has poured into their life and therefore understands what it is and how important it is to pour into the lives of, of others, particularly our students in the Assemblies of God. Uh, Josh, when you think about discipleship or disciple-making environments in the local church, especially in the area of youth ministries, um, in your experience, you've been a youth pastor, you've been a state youth director, and now you serve as a national youth director. What are some of the biggest obstacles? I mean, what are some of the biggest challenges, whether it's um, from a leader's perspective, from a local church perspective, from a student perspective? Um, what do you feel like we're up against? Well, I mean, there, there's nothing new under the sun. The enemy hasn't hasn't given up on trying to, you know, lure students away from the cross and... Uh, our culture certainly is, is um, you know, inventing new ways of, of doing wickedness and, and twisting God's truth. Uh, so, you know, that that's the biggest thing we're up against. The biggest thing we're up against. I, I mean, if this, here's the thing. Youth ministry is not a walk in the park. It, it, it's not easy. If it were, all of our churches would have students just lined up out the door, waiting to get in, to hear our preaching, to, to see our illustrations, to eat our, you know, free pizza or whatever our, our, you know, elements are that we do to, to sort of woo the lost in. Um, and so, you know, it's just, again, nothing new under the sun. The, the world is offering pleasurable seasonal sin that in the end leads to destruction. 
um, that I, I, I mean, people will say, well, the internet is, is created a, an obstacle like we've never seen before. Eh, is it, is it really, I mean, isn't it, isn't it just good old fashioned flesh and sin luring our students away? Well, but man, now they have devices in their pockets that have pornography on them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a big deal, but isn't it just another brand of sin? Isn't it, isn't it just the same old trick in a different package? And so I, I would just say the challenges are the same today that they were, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, the potency of, of uh, secularism, I, I feel like, has maybe gone up a notch. Uh, our, our society has become more uh, okay with putting its, putting its uh, seal of approval on sin. And, and, of course, we see that in the news and we see it in hot-button political topics and things like that. But, again, this is still the same battle on a very it's – a, it's, it's a soul-level battle, and the battle has not changed. The enemy is certainly getting more creative. Uh, society is certainly getting more wicked. And, of course, we see that in Scripture. We see that you know, being the trend uh, both in the Old Testament and the New. And so, so the, the battle is still the same. And the, the, the coolest part is, Scripture tells us, we still win. We still win. Though, though the enemy comes up with new, new packaging for, for old, old tricks, we still win. Though there's a, a faster delivery device of sin to our students, we still win. And so creating these experiences, uh, you know, on a very, at the risk of sounding unpopular, the, the biggest problem... <laughs> that we might be up against is I'm looking for those leaders who are digging their heels in on scripture and saying, I'm going to live at a standard of, of holiness at a standard of being gospel centered at a standard of being spirit empowered at a standard of being personally responsible that people can't resist or, or people can't miss What's expected of them if they choose to follow Jesus? So now I sound like I'm preaching, but really, oh, show me the leaders. Show me the leaders that have dug their heels in. David's show shaking his the... hanky over here, just so you know. Yeah. You can't see it, but he's very excited. So Jared is looking for an offering plate to drop money in. <laughs> but I'm serious. If you'll show me the leaders that are that are again, just just those three, those those are kind of our three targets. You know, that's our bullseye on the wall for what what discipleship is gospel centered spirit empowered and personally responsible if we'll show me the leaders that are willing again to dig their heels in what is what is what is what does scripture say about same-sex marriage what does scripture say about the entertainment we consume what does scripture say about the kind of relationships that we have both both friendships and romantic what does scripture say about honoring our parents you know the the youth leader that will dig his heels in on that will have a healthy youth ministry. The youth, the youth leader who will dig his heels in on being spirit-empowered, now he'll have a growing youth ministry because that's, that's what happens when we see people experiencing the baptism in the Holy Spirit is we see growth. At least that's the scriptural model. And, and of course, none of this will take place without personal responsibility. So um, yeah, that's the, really- question was, the question was simple. 
And, and again, the simple answer is show me the leaders, show yeah. me the leaders. And we can, well, this is a slam dunk. If you show me the leaders, if the leaders will dig their heels in, we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. I think that's um, encouraging for leaders that are out there um, to shift a little bit um, to a more practical approach as leaders who are listening to this and they're in their, in their heart, they're going, I genuinely want to create a disciple making environment. Like I want my youth ministry not to just be um, measured by how many people we have come to our services, but I want my students to be um, be disciples who at the end are making disciples themselves. How, how do I do that, right? What practically, what are some things that I need to have in order to create that environment? So do you have any thoughts on that? Sure. Um, Jared, are you an athlete? Well, let me answer that for him. <laughs> I was riding my bike through my neighborhood this morning, and I saw him out for an early morning run, and it's an unequivocal no. Ah. <laughs> oh. I used to be. I used to be. I'm kidding. Not, he, was a, I, he was a college I, soccer I, player. You and I met one time, and I just thought, man, this guy looks like an athlete. So that's why I asked that. But I think about, you know, if you talk to anybody in, the, in Major League Baseball, they'll say, you know, what any coach will say, well, what do you what do you need to practice? What, what how do you focus? How, you know, how do you become a better baseball player? You hit, you run, you throw, you catch. You hit, you run, you throw, you catch. And so even Major League Baseball players will say, this is what we practice. And then, of course, there are different devices they use to to hit harder, to run faster, to, to, to throw stronger. You know, there's different, you know, ways of taking care of their, their bodies, different ways of exercising that will that will help them hit, run, throw, catch uh, better, faster, harder. And, and so in so like for us in discipleship, for me, it's pretty simple. You, you read and consume the Bible you you pray and you spend time trying to grow in your intimacy with the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and and then there's the whole fellowship better together thing. You build relationships with other Christians. And it kind of comes back to that Acts chapter two, verse forty-two. Uh, you know, after after the, the, the church is started in the New Testament and and Pente- after the day of Pentecost and they, they add to their numbers, you know, they're adding to their numbers daily, those who are being saved. And it's just back to that Acts two four two. Uh, just simple stuff. They came together. Uh, they devoted themselves to the the apostles' teaching, to to the scriptures, to the gospel. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. So, like there might, you know, and, and of course we can interpret that to mean communion, or we could say, hey, we're actually going to have some meals together. I, I think both are appropriate. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And so for Christians, it's like so start. So first thing, youth pastor, like you need to be doing those things, and then. Invite some students to do that with you. My favorite memories of being a local youth pastor were when, uh, you know, we had a we had a small youth ministry. We had, um, well, I successfully grew a youth ministry from about 25 to 10. Uh, so <laughs> that was my first youth ministry. And some of my favorite memories were sitting in in a in a small Sunday school room with about eight other students and just reading God's word and and committing to one another that we were going to pray for 30 minutes every day and committing to one another that we were going to limit our media consumption and, and really try and only consume media that we're honoring to God, that we were going to, uh, we actually started memorizing scripture together. And so um, I think at just a very base level, discipleship has to be God's word, consuming it, uh, memorizing it, um, prayer, 
spending time praying together. Uh, youth pastors teaching students, this is how you pray. Uh, these are the things we pray for. Um, limiting, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how, how, how does, you know, when we talk, I, I use the term limiting our media consumption. You know, that's just one of the tools of discipleship. My, my, my pastor puts it this way. Don't let the tools of discipleship become the rules of discipleship. So we're not talking about legalism. We're just talking about uh, like saying, well, if, if Jesus is in me, like, shouldn't I have like a standard of holiness of just the stuff that's coming into my, my mind, into my body? The, um, I love that language of the tools of discipleship versus the rules of discipleship, knowing that yeah. things like prayer and reading the scriptures and being in community together and, and um, fasting and giving, those have formative power in our lives. Um, ultimately, we're not saved through the practice of those things, but the practice of those things um, form our lives in such a way that we can be a you know sort of progress in this ongoing work of salvation that Jesus is doing and sanctifying us and making us conforming us more into his own image um as you're as you were talking about that and mentioning legalism which uh is potentially one of the historical obstacles to current discipleship is sort of this pushback against the culture that maybe even some of our current leaders grew up in um you know over 10 years ago there was a book put out by um, christian smith and melinda denton called soul searching when they introduced this term that i think now is somewhat familiar of um, moralistic therapeutic deism. They did a survey mm. of all these different um, spiritual American teenagers, Christian American teenagers, and in identifying what their actual belief structure was and the content of their belief was, they they basically said these are not Christians; these are. And then they came up with this new term, moralistic therapeutic deist, which is the idea that um, they've just been told their whole life that God wants them to behave, to be good. Um, he wants them to be happy, so sort wow. of building their whole faith around their own personal glory as opposed to the glory of God, and uh, and then he's kind of just sort of in touch in crucial moments of life, uh, you know, this deism sort of distance, um, unknowable, impersonable God, and I think you know I was I was in youth ministry when this all kind of came out, and I think a lot of us are asking questions like, is this happening in spite of us, or on some level is this happening because of us, not because of wrong motivations. Um, or a lack of sincerity in work and effort, but uh, is there something about our disciple-making efforts that has created kids that when they think about God, all they think about is a God who really wants them to behave a certain way? What do you see happening currently with that? You've mentioned gospel-centered a couple times, and I know that's part of the disciple-making conversation at the national level, but how do we help students move in their belief and in their uh, heart-level worship as opposed to just sort of teaching them the right rules to follow and then tacking it onto their lives, hoping that maybe it will stick. <laughs> right. You know, I, I think, I think, um, by, I can't remember the verbiage or what was the label again? The theistic moralistic therapeutic deist. <laughs> moralistic it's, a, it's a mouthful. Sorry. MTD, MTD for short. Yeah. I've, I've not read that book, but that was fascinating. Uh, to hear that summary of it, um, I I think that is the natural byproduct of the student who does the right things. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I would just agree with that assessment. If you just do the right things without the relationship, without the personal responsibility, without uh, a, a real understanding of the gospel, I, I think 
yeah, I would agree that that is the byproduct. Is is that happening today? I, I think it's probably always happened. Mm. Um, you know, legalism is very safe. You know, it's 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 a it's a very easy to understand formula. If you do these things, you're you're in. You're going to heaven. Yeah. If you don't do these things, you're not. And and it's the natural. That's that's what humans do. We create. That's what religion you know, eventually becomes, if given to human hands, it becomes a list of do's and don'ts. And of course we see that in, you know, we saw that in, in Jesus time. And, and that's kind of the story of the old Testament. If you follow these rules, then you're saved. And then of course we need Jesus because we can't follow the rules. And so, so uh, creating the only way that our, our st- that we as youth pastors are going to have students who really experience Jesus and not just the moralistic therapeutic ism is if we are really experiencing Jesus mm. and we are really growing in knowledge and depth of insight on what salvation is, like it's a pretty regular thing for me to go, oh my word, I cannot believe that the gospel is true. Mm. So wait, wait, wait a second. So I put my faith, I mean, even just reading the, the New Testament this morning, uh, and I was reading about Jesus in the garden, and I every time I read the prayer where he says, you know, Father, if this cup can pass from me, that, that's my prayer, but not my will, but yours. Every time I read that, it's like, that was the Son of God. Even he was talking to the Father as though um, asking for a special a special request that he knew was not going to happen. So just this honesty that we can have with God and know that we're wretched sinners and all we have to do is put our faith in Jesus? I mean, the simplicity of the gospel blows, blows, blows my mind. And of course, if you just hang your hat on the simplicity of the gospel, you end up with a very, um, you end up with a, a Christianity that just sort of gets washed away in the ebb and flow of cultural influence. And and, and we've all seen that. Mm-hmm. We've all seen Christians, and, and I don't want to pick on, you know, my pet sins that drive me crazy, but, but we've seen Christians on social media doing things that were like, oh, my word, why would they do that? Um, and I'm thinking of one thing, but I won't say it because— like Were, you, said, were you about to call out David, something you saw on his social media? Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to talk to you about your— I just, <laughs> I just wanted to talk to you about, about your facial tattoos. Um, <laughs> Let's bring but... it out. Bring it out on the air. <laughs> and that's, that's really— um, Thanks for sharing that. And uh, we're talking in this podcast about discipling the next generation specifically. I'd love to get your thoughts, Josh, on are there some things about the next generation um, that are either unique to them or maybe even not unique, but really important to keep in mind when it comes to discipling them? So some aspects of how they operate, how they think, who they are that are really important to know and understand if we're going to make disciples. I think I think in the in the context of that question, and particularly youth pastors that are interested in that, uh, you you may have talked about it on this podcast before. The new book from the Barna people, Gen Z. Um, they say that Generation Z, which would be every every you know at, at date, here we are in June of 2018. So every student who is a high school senior and younger uh, is no longer a millennial. This is Generation Z, so it's the next. Um, social uh, socio uh, social group behind them uh cultural group behind them i, I love one of the quotes from the new book gen z and I, i'm sure, i can't think of the author is it david kinnaman maybe uh i'm not sure anyway 
Yeah, probably. But but it's uh, it's it's the new Barna book. But it just says that Gen Z has the the work ethic of the greatest generation, but they have the cynicism of Gen X. So as a Gen Xer, I get that. Like, yeah, let's like I, I'm I'm given to my flesh and given to myself and given to my cultural influences that I grew up with. I can be very cynical and and assume that I can't trust the person who is who who is sort of the man or the company man or the the conservative straight laced person who says all the right things. I'm I'm suspicious of that person, not not because of Josh Wellborn, just because of the culture that I was raised in. Uh, you know, I was told as a teenager, you're not going to make as much money as your parents. And so you kind of have this negativity towards, um, towards the economy. And, and then to add to that though, the work ethic of gen, uh, of the greatest generation. Hmm. So, uh, you know, when, when you ask what are the, some of the things that we need to look at with this next generation, I, I think we're safe. I, I think you're always safe to operate under the assumption that young people want to work hard. But you've got to give them a worthy cause. Uh, and that's where the whole Gen X thing comes in. Gen X will get excited about a worthy cause. That's the generation that 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 made the environment a priority. That's the generation that that cried, particularly in secular circles, they cried for social justice for all groups. Uh, you know, so they're they were willing to work hard. They looked lazy, but they were willing to work hard. So um yeah. That's awesome. So those are some of the hallmarks of the next generation that I think we need to be sensitive to. No, that's really good, and and I love the way that you you talked about it in a positive way. I was uh, I recently listened to a, a a short talk, and they were throwing out statistics on how entrepreneurial this this generation is, and it's insane that the there's such this entrepreneurial spirit and. You know, people are creating their own YouTube channels and they're building their own online businesses. And um, and, and I love that you spun it in a positive way, because I think there's always this temptation from previous generations to look back and go, ah, oh, these young kids, they don't, you know, you, you never thought you would say that. Right. And then you end up you end up being an older generation and you end up doing that. And then it's like, sure. well, let's look at how we can leverage the differences in this generation to do some amazing things for the kingdom. So. Josh, thanks, man, for taking the time again to be with us. We like to always end with a little David Eats section. And in our last time with you, you talked about uh, your favorite uh, or the best lunch or meal you'd had recently at a place called Tinga Taco or Tingo Taco in Springfield. So here's my follow-up question. Um, what, are your fav- what do you have to have on a taco? Like if you're putting together your own taco, meat, toppings, what do you like? I love – I'm, I'm – some – thinks i don't like vegetables <laughs> but on my taco i want meat and cheese and then i want hot sauce and yeah, so baby. i've got i've got two of my favorite hot sauces right here in my office one is just good old-fashioned tabasco chipotle flavor which which may or may not have been lifted from a chipotle restaurant uh, <laughs> we won't tell they don't listen and then i've got and then i've got spicy habanero sauce and so so i have to have the spicy hot sauce on my tacos so beef or pork or chicken? Ooh, I get you know what? At Tingo Taco, the last time I went, I got all three. <laughs> oh my goodness. The meat I lovers know. taco. Wow, living your I best got, life I, now. Yeah. <laughs> hey Josh, real quick before we before we go, we'd love to hear from you. Um 
how are you growing as a leader? Do you tend to be a reader, a podcast guy? And if so, what's your um, what's your favorite book? And if you're a podcast guy, or uh, what's what's one of your favorite podcasts that people should check out? Well, I think this podcast they should definitely oh, subscribe. Man, I fished for that so hard. Thank you. Turn on turn on notifications. Yes. Uh, I, I I I always listen to the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. Um, I just, uh, I just read one of his books last week and he has so many, I can't remember the title of that one. I can look it up real quick. I, but I just finished a parenting book yesterday. And so for those who are parents, I think, uh, I'm opening it now on my device cause I just, I just finished it. Um, just finished it yesterday. Uh, boundaries with kids by Dr. Henry, Henry cloud. That's a huge one for parents. I really, really enjoyed that. The Craig Rochelle book I just read last week was alter ego. Um, I love, I also outside spiritual development books, I love, love, love leadership books. And one of my favorites is, um, good to great by Jim Collins. Yeah. That one, so much of it is outdated in terms of the, the, like the businesses that he looks at, like he looks at circuit city, you know, and like circuit city doesn't exist anymore and stuff like that. But the leadership principles are so, so good. Um, if you're looking for leadership development content with your volunteer leadership team, I highly recommend that one. And then anything by Simon Sinek and Malcolm Gladwell and, and Seth Godin, those are my favorites. And I, and David, you're right. I'm, I'm always, I'm always either reading or listening to another book. Like I've like always, 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 because leaders are readers and, um, uh, and it's just kind of, after a while, it just kind of becomes fun. It's like a hobby now. That's great. So if you're uh, if you're interested in those, check them out. Josh, if people want to find you on social media, um, where where can they look you up? My favorite social media nowadays is YouTube. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, Jared was talking about uh, Gen Z creating YouTube channels. They even my eight year old daughter is into YouTube, and I think I think the reason I love YouTube right now is because it requires building and creating content before you post it as opposed to uh, Facebook or Instagram, where it's very, very quick, very, very instantaneous. YouTube requires a little bit of crafting, but I am on Facebook, I am on Instagram, and I'm on YouTube. All of it is just Josh Wellborn. Josh, thanks again for being with us. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is the Multiply Podcast, and this is David. And this is Jared. Take care. <laughs>